I cooperate all the time with everybody. And you know the beautiful thing? No collusion. It's all a hoax. It's a political hoax. Yeah, well, nobody's claiming collusion anymore. So you can stop claiming there wasn't collusion because that train has left the station, it would seem. Collusion. That's so 2018. Pathetic. Whether it's AOC or the head of the Judiciary Committee in the House, Mr. Nadler, they've all said, yeah, the collusion thing is uh, we're not really. It's about the taxes and the business and the finance. So we've moved on to a different subject now. Deborah J. Saunders is the White House correspondent for the Las Vegas Review Journal and joins us now. Uh, Deborah, welcome. How are you? Um, I'm I'm doing fine. How are you guys doing? Good. Well, there's, a, there's a hesitancy there. Are you not doing okay? I'm still I'm still getting over the two hour speech. Oh, Were you there for the whole thing? Yes. And yes, did, I was. How, how many people? Because uh, I don't. The greatest speaker on earth, Lincoln. <laughs> anybody? Two hours is too long for me. <laughs> I'm either leaving or going to the bathroom or sitting down and looking at my phone at some point. Did, were people enraptured the entire time? No, they okay. were not. Okay. But let me just say, so so Trump comes out, and that he does that bear hug with the flag. Right. And he is on. Uh, he says a lot of things that many would disagree with, where he does an impersonation of his former attorney general, and he disses <laughs> his former defense secretary as a general I had to fire, and uh, and also uh, uh, focuses his ire on his, uh, his Fed chairman, but... He's on fire. He keeps saying, oh, I'm off script. When I go off script, that's how I won. And, and, and the crowd is just loving him. I mean, this is the CPAC crowd. This is his third speech as president there. It, it, it's just, it's, it's a love thing, as he himself said. And then he keeps going on and on. And as it's approaching the hour and a half mark, we're all thinking, and I'm sitting there in the press area. So there are people standing behind us, and there are people seated and standing in front of us. And you can just tell they're running out of gas. Oh, yeah, and just physically. It's amazing. It's amazing that he had physically could do that. I mean, how many people could stand there and talk for two hours? Hmm. Not very many people, especially in your 70s, especially when you just got done with an overseas trip on the other side of the world. God, his stamina, is, his motor is incredible. It's amazing. I mean, he the tr- he has more energy than anyone I have ever known, and he just but he lo- he just feeds off that crowd. Uh, the problem is, and I, I was talking to uh, to this woman, Ruth Sherman. She's a speech coach, and she was saying that he reads an audience like nobody. He 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 says something, he sees how they react, he knows where to go, and but at some point in time, he stopped reading them because they were just tired, and people started leaving. I don't know how many people left. Five percent, ten percent, but walking out of a room with the president of the United States—that's not something people normally do, mm-hmm. right? Right, but only five and, or ten percent in a two-hour speech—that's that's pretty good. Is there any chance he knew the record was an hour forty-five, and he just wanted to have the longest <laughs> speech in presidential history? <laughs> well, we know he wants to do the longest, right? Right, right the longest, the greatest. The longest. Yeah. Uh, I, no, I don't think so. I think he just and and people. At one point in time, toward the end, he started talking about that Virginia abortion bill that 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 the that the CPAC folks just hate. Right. Yeah. And that's when you'd expect them to be standing up, going, "Yeah, yeah," and they're just sort of like, "Yeah, okay, we'll clap a little." Yeah, that's a lot they're, to. It reminds me, Deborah, of uh, going to see Bruce Springsteen in the. Uh, let's see, when would that have been? Gosh, uh, early '80s, I guess, and. You know, his legendary four-hour shows. And I got to tell you, and I love Bruce like crazy. By the end of it, I was thinking, you know, I, I, I need to I got to go home. I, uh, 
<laughs> I, I, I congratulate you on keeping your energy level up, Bruce, but I've had enough. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and well, anyway, Deborah Saunders is the White House correspondent of Las Vegas Review Journal online. So, Deborah, uh, the uh, House Judiciary Committees and Oversight Committees are subpoenaing uh, everybody, uh, you know, east of the Mississippi and all the records investigating the president on quite a number of things, huh? You don't think they're going too far, do you? <laughs> well, I have the beholder, I guess. Well, we, yeah, re- we read the tweet from David Axelrod, who even said, I'm thinking this is going to help Trump call this a witch hunt. So there are some Democrat strategists that think maybe this is too much. Yeah, and Nancy Pelosi is sort of stuck in the middle. I don't think she wants this to go as far as she wants it to go, but her base is just pushing her. It's, it's, it's lemming time, right? So there are people who just want to do everything. And, I, you know, um, you go after somebody's family, folks don't usually like that. And uh, you, there are just so many people who, who are in this, this vise that I, I just don't, I, I don't see this as, uh, I, I, don't, I think it's very likely that it will backfire for the Democrats. I don't know that's going to happen. Republicans always think that what didn't work for them won't work for the other side, and that's not always true. Right. Right. Yeah, your we'll point think. about, I, I mean, you can get away with going after Don Jr., I think, but how's America going to react to a cute little Ivanka getting subpoenaed and all her records and the rest of it? i I got to believe she can play that pretty well as a mom and a woman and, and a pretty progressive person on a lot of policies. It, it's just too much. And it's you, you don't understand... There's no discipline to this. Now, I, I mean, look, at, I, we watched for two years when Republicans controlled the House, and they would have various people in, and they would do these long sessions. And, you know, somehow they could have a whole day hearing, and you'd learn nothing. <laughs> because these guys are spending all their time asking these really long so-called questions, and they're not really trying to learn anything. And, de- by the way, doesn't it tell you something when Alexander uh, Ocasio-Cortez asked, like, some of the best questions <laughs> the Michael Cohen hearing, right? At least she was focused. But most of these times they're just bloviating and they just want to yell at you. And uh, I don't think anybody watches this stuff anymore. Unless you're paid to, why would you watch it? Yeah, that's that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, amen um, to that. Uh, how much is this going to bog down the Trump White House even more, having to deal with you know 80 different uh, pieces of paper and get the lawyers all lined up and everything? I I don't know. And I, again, I just I have a feeling that uh I think they're just going to obviously not rush to get t- take care of all of this and um I think that you'll probably see even, you know, if, if there was any chance we we're going to get back to having at least a weekly briefing, this probably cuts into that because they aren't enjoying it. Uh, you know, they they get sick of answering the questions, but I, I just I don't know. I think that the people who really care about everything that you're going to learn here, the people who, who think poor Michael Cohen, he finally saw the light, and he's such a good guy now, right? <laughs> they, they are gonna, they're going to think this is great, and no one else. Yeah, you know, in answer to Jack's question about the White House getting bogged down, I'm doing what the Obama administration did with the Fast and Furious investigation or the Benghazi stuff. I'm going to appoint one intern or some lower level dope in the White House to deal with all the requests. And I'm going to tell him, hey, dopey Jim. <laughs> yeah. You take him in order. White House, you need uh, some help from the White House counsel. You write him a memo and then wait. Okay. <laughs> you get a request uh, next for, uh, you know, some of Ivanka's records. Go ahead and drop Ivanka a note and then you wait. And that's your job. And, and we'll see how quickly they move. 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, I just I think it's going to backfire. And by the way, let's add the fact that they had Michael Cohen in while Trump's in, in Hanoi trying to do this big denuclearization pact doesn't doesn't make them look good. Uh, I, I think the media, the news media, tend to be a lot nicer about that. Um, sir, sir, um, but I, I think in the end, a lot of voters are just going to be turned off to the whole thing. Yeah, we'll have to see as it progresses. Are you getting the sense that we are, that the Mueller report, people have heard uh, something about it? There have been leaks? Because both sides are now saying, yeah, Mueller report, that's over. It's no big deal. Let's move on. Um, have there been leaks? I think the, there don't have to be leaks. So most of the leaks that we've seen have come out of maybe somebody from a courthouse or maybe somebody who's involved in the legal team for somebody who's been subpoenaed, right? They've actually been pretty quiet. Um, but what, what they, instead of leaking, they write these really long indictments that tell you what they're looking for. And when you're not getting a lot of that, that's telling you that maybe the gas is going out. When you're, when, when it's sort of like they're not, they're not feeding the meter. And I, I mean, I, I, I've been hearing, okay, the Mueller report's going to be coming out for well over a year. So I, I think that we're not, when you stop seeing things, and really, who's left? They've got all of these, uh, you know, uh, fringe characters that they've gone after. So, I mean, they, they also got Michael Flynn, and, but, but there are all these fringe people. Who's left? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, final question. Uh, do we ever hear you shouting over the uh, den of the helicopter? Yes, <laughs> that includes you. I've I've got to listen for your voice. Uh, it's hard to hear it. So I was uh, I I did pool when Trump came back from Hanoi, and he came in at ten thirty at night. It's really nice being at the White House at that hour. Oh, <laughs> right. Is that sarcasm yeah. or what? No, it's I meant it. Oh, it's beautiful oh. because it's a it's a crowded place that press area, right? Mm-hmm. And when he goes out during the day to Marine One, or you know, <clears throat> it's. You see, you'll see like 40 people ready to, you know, all on top of each other yelling stuff. Right. And, 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 and whereas uh, when he comes back at night, he didn't take any questions. But it's, you know, you get to see the president sort of come back after a meeting like that. I also uh, did pull the night he came back from Iraq. Huh. Oh. And, uh, and, you know, you, 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 see, you see a guy coming back from work. He's not in the mood to talk. But uh, it's, I don't know. I, I think our eyes locked, and he, he was like, I want to I want to answer your question, but I'm just tired. Yeah, interesting. No. The no, fabulous. I, I don't mean that. That was sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> Deborah Saunders, White House correspondent for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. If you ever need a designated uh, yeller, let me know, Deborah. I'll stand next to you. I'm very loud. And, you would uh, be better than I would be. I will faithfully ask your question at the top of my lungs. It's the least we can the do. Next, the next time you're here, we're going to work something out. All right, beautiful. Uh, Deborah, okay. thanks a million. Great to talk to you. Thank you. All right, see you later. You just scream, what about your taxes? <laughs> really, really loud. Will you release the taxes? <laughs> so uh, a couple of texters. They'd be answering that question on Capitol Hill because they'd hear me yelling. How does Trump have so much energy at his age for a two-hour speech? Oh, one person said he, he doesn't waste it on exercise. That's one way to have the energy. Exactly. And, uh, and then the he's on drugs crowd weighed in because, you know, there's some people still believe he's doing that. He, there aren't that many. In his 70s? Well, and there aren't that many. Fat people on amphetamines. I mean, it's usually not the way they look. <laughs> Fat tweakers are a narrow, narrow subgroup, indeed. We got another number of texts about uh, women's sports and the transgender uh, thing, uh, among other things. So.
Plus, one of the most hilarious CNN hair-on-fire moments in recent memory, and it involves the former Chancellor of Germany. All right, stay oh, tuned boy. to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the, of nation. the nation. Remember, as you're enjoying this fabulous podcast of the radio show, you can also get the Armstrong and Getty One More Thing podcast and Armstrong and Getty Extra Large, our long-form interviews, available via the iTunes podcast app and the iHeart app. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So my son says to me, Dad, my son who's seven, but he developmentally is about five, so picture a five-year-old. And my son says to me, Dad, which would you rather be attacked by, a lion or a shark? Which do you think would be worse? Wow. And I said, well, I'd prefer fighting on the land to fighting in the water, mm-hmm, clearly. But, but I've heard more stories of people successfully fighting off a shark than fighting off a lion, punching him in the nose or whatever. Mm. And he said, I think I'd prefer to fight a lion, <clears throat> but what if you're fighting the lion and you rolled into the water and you end up getting attacked by the shark? And then he said, but wait, wait a second, how would we end up in this situation anyway? Right? <laughs> right. And in that situation, you have a chance maybe the shark starts fighting the lion and you can get out. Which was my favorite part. How would we end up in this predicament anyway? It's a good question. Well, you're I'm be- not sure we would. Well, you're beset by seaside lions <laughs> whilst on vacation. You flee into the water, obviously, because lions can't swim. <laughs> and I'm saying that only to taunt people who know that lions can swim. How did I do? And there you are in the ocean when, indeed, you're beleaguered by the uh, the great predator of the sea, the shark. But when you're, on one of these, way to be. when you're on one of these fanciful jags with a little kid, they don't yes. usually all of a sudden interject some realism wait a second there wouldn't be lava in our living room anyway right yeah whoa whoa, whoa wait a minute something just occurred to me oh that that's beautiful wait a second he really scrunched up his face wait a second how would we end up in this predicament anyway right god that's beautiful that is beautiful oh my god Perfect. Meow. thank you tucker carlson oh we need to get into the other tucker carlson stuff um, we need to edit that though, Sean, and yeah. and, and plus I uh, got it. Maybe we'll do an all cable news hilariousness half hour next half hour as I have that CNN thing that's just priceless. But so I I watched a, a large chunk of the Jacko documentary. I was talking about this yesterday about how he was a, a, a serial child molester, and I I believe it now beyond a shadow of a doubt. I found the whole thing to be extremely credible. Um. And also, just it was—it's just too much. I mean, at the point, maybe it's—I don't have little kids anymore, so I don't feel like I need to get educated about how predators groom children and the signs to look for and that sort of thing. But I became completely convinced he was a child rapist, and twenty minutes later, they're still convincing me he's a child rapist, and with graphic details and 
And I was like, okay, well, I get it. Th- I, I can see it. how they want to leave nothing to the imagination because this stuff's been around for decades yeah. and the world still feels like, well, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, or maybe once he kind of did something and they wanted to make it go. No, he's been a child raper or was a child rapist for a long, long time. His whole adult life, he was right. raping children. That but was his thing. The, the the revelation that did surprise me was that a lot of the families involved, well, they were a little showbiz hungry. Um, the most, one family are. lives in 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 L.A. Well, Simi Valley, but um, and you know, I don't know. Maybe it's because we're on the lowest rung of show business. But I became aware at a very very early age that it was that is nothing to get your children into. It's a terrible idea. A terrible idea. Don't get them into modeling. Don't get them into show business in any form. That's just one man's opinion. But anyway, it was some something of a revelation to find out that these families were loving, intact, caring families that were aware, boy, some of this is a little odd. We, you know, let's put on the brakes and keep this cool. But the Jacko's skills as a child molester were so good, he was able to overcome that. So that was one interesting revelation. But we were talking about the financial impact of this yesterday and how the Jackson family is really lashing back. Did you know that since... Jacko died from too much of the milk. Um, they pulled in a reported $2 billion in posthumous deals. $2 billion. Including the forthcoming Broadway musical Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, a Cirque du Soleil tribute spectacle, five nights a week in Vegas, and a $287.5 million Sony uh, purchase of Jackson's share of the EMI music publishing. The Jackson family is making billions of dollars off the corpse of the child rapist. And, man, they don't want that to stop. Wow, that is something. Yeah. Marshall, one word on what you got coming up. Demo- Whoops. Democrats. Whoops. And Whoops. That was at least You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So one more uh, follow-up to the Jacko question, the estate suing HBO and the rest of it. Uh, and it kind of relates to the whole Donald Trump um, exaggerating the value of real estate at one point, allegedly, and then uh, you know uh, claiming it's worthless when the tax man comes to call. So the Jackson uh, family, which has made $2 billion worth of deals on old dead Jacko since he passed, um, when he died... They declared to the IRS that the Michael Jackson brand was only worth about $2,000 because of the accusations and his peculiar behavior. So they uh, listed that as an asset worth $2,105, which, you know, there are 1988 Corollas worth more than that. The IRS put the figure closer to $160 million, and they've done $2 billion in deals since. So. Oprah's doing a big special with the uh, yeah. two of the victims of Michael Jackson, and um, I heard one of them say, he said, just yesterday I was have feelings of guilt for telling the truth, because Michael Jackson did such a good job of making it feel like we were on the same team, and the right. secret is ours. They were in love. He said, I still feel guilt sometimes over uh, telling this story. Isn't that, isn't that a wild? God, that's... Sickening, and the priests have done it, and well, lots of people have done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get the news now, Marshall Phillips. Well, President Trump is ripping Congresswoman Ilhan Omar for her critical comments against Israel. 
The freshman Muslim lawmaker recently accused pro-Israeli advocates of pushing allegiance to a foreign country. Trump tweeting, Representative Omar is again under fire for her terrible comments concerning Israel and Jewish groups have just sent a petition to Speaker Pelosi asking her to remove Omar from the Foreign Relations Committee, a dark day for Israel. Omar's remarks, just the latest in a series of comments she has made that many Republicans and Democrats say are blatantly anti-Semitic. And now the House is expected to vote on a resolution condemning anti-Semitism at the urging of Speaker Nancy Pelosi. We've played you clips of the uh, little kids shows uh, in the Palestinian territories. Yes. Where these little kids shows are talking about the Jews sucking the blood of babies and we must kill the Jews. And yay, the little hand puppets have guns and they shoot down the Jews and the rest of it. Tell you what, if you're raised on that and steeped in that. Yeah, you're going to let a little uh, anti-Semitism leak out of you now and again. Unlike the previous two times she'd made comments she apologized for, Omar did not apologize for these latest comments, saying, I should not be expected to have allegiance pledge support to a foreign country in order to serve my country in Congress or serve on committee. And she went on to say, I am told every day that I am anti-American if I am not pro-Israel. I find that to be problematic and I am not alone. You know, that's reasonable as far sure. as it goes. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a perfectly defensible statement. I, I will tell you this, though, and mentioned it before. The Labor Party in Britain and the Democratic Party in the U.S. are uh, seeing a rise of actual anti-Semitism, though, and it's troubling. Hey, we got a bunch of texts about the Michael Jackson thing. Did he molest boys and girls or just boys? As just far boys, as far as anybody can tell, yeah. So his adult relationships with women when he was dating Brooke Shields or whoever, was that a... Put on or? Uh, well, you know, I I respect somebody not going into details about their relationship with their right. significant other. On the other hand, I've not heard anybody. Remember Lisa Marie Presley? Yeah, they got married. Yeah. Uh, what was going on there? I don't know. On both sides. Know. Yeah. Yeah, she has always uh, remained remarkably quiet about that relationship. Right. Well, and it's possible yeah. he could t- he could tolerate relations with a woman. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. He was molesting kids, though, that's for sure. The Customs and uh, Border Protection Agency says it is now seeing a surge of apprehensions at the U.S. southern border. The B- uh, CBP said there were 73,000 total apprehensions of people crossing the U.S. border in February. 73,000 total apprehensions on the border. Yeah, I heard a great feature the other day about how the media is always throwing you the number from 2017 about how border crossings are down. But in the last six months, they've skyrocketed. Yep. Somebody from South Carolina has claimed the largest lottery jackpot for a single winner in history. One and a half billion dollars. For one person. Yes. Wow. But it turns out we'll likely never know who it is because Good, apparently fine. in South Carolina, you do not have to reveal your identity. No, I think you, you should have to, and that should be the law. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna dance with the devil. We got to know who you are. The devil being gambling. Uh, what we do know about it is illicit a, gambling. The person chose to be uh, paid uh, by the one-time cash option and after taxes will fill their account with $877 million. She got nearly a billion dollars. Well, geez, with, with interest and a little investment, it'll be a billion next year. Yep. Um, 
That would spin your head around. I mean, there's half a lot of money, and then there's... You couldn't hardly spend it if you worked at it. It'd be difficult to spend a billion dollars. Unless you just gave it to people. I think it'd be a weeks-long process to even comprehend it. You know, understand how much money that is and and what's possible. Because there are are lower numbers, 20 million, Mm -hmm. whatever. Seems like a lot. But athletes prove this all the time. You can go through it really fast. You know, you buy some cars, you buy a big house, right. this and that. And Hangers thing, you know, on. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't do that with a billion dollars. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a lot of money. I could try. Thousand million dollars just for you. One last note. Netflix issuing a response to Steven Spielberg's attempts to prevent the streaming Giants films from being nominated for Oscars. Netflix didn't name names, but it was clear who they were referencing in their tweet. Quote, we love cinema. Here are some of the things we also love. Access for people who can't always afford or live in towns without theaters. Letting everyone everywhere enjoy releases at the same time. Giving filmmakers more ways to share their art. Those are things that are not mutually exclusive. End of tweet from Netflix. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. That was pretty good. I thought they were going to kind of haul themselves up on the cross there, but no, I was restrained. Yeah. I've lived, good in, I've lived in towns with no theaters, and you just because so you just couldn't see a movie, right? You'd have to drive an hour or wherever to nearest theater. And not, it had one not movie. Not going to happen. Uh, now with Netflix and everything, I can whatever. Right. I watch anything I want anywhere I want. Right. Much greater access to the arts, Stephen. Yep. Come on now. And Get crap. The modern era. Much greater access to plenty of crap. Also, speaking just, of crap, not pretend everything is art. <laughs> CNN with hilariously hair on fire commentary the other day, and highly ironic, and. Tucker Carlson taking a run at BuzzFeed, really hitting them for their cat coverage. <laughs> Very funny. Do we have that clip? Where's that clip? Do we have the clip? The clip? Perfect. <laughs> I was told we'd have a clip. Uh, stay with us. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Armstrong and Getty Show. What's this charming little ditty, Michael? It is Post Malone, Swally, from the Spider-Man. The Spider-Man movie my kids love so much. We listen to the soundtrack regularly because they like the movie so much. It's got good tunes. I hear it's good. Yeah. Super. So uh, you got your uh, CPAC speech there, the president uh, jabbering on for two-plus hours, longest presidential speech in history. Keep in mind the previous record holder killed the guy involved. Of course, that was in a snowstorm. McKinley, look it up. Anyway, so uh, I'm going to play you. Well, CNN's going to play you a little Harrison. Clip. I just don't want to have Harrison. To sorry, my text back. Right, anybody. McKinley was shot. It doesn't matter. No, but. I'm a big presidential trivia guy. You're quite correct. McKinley right. shot Harrison pneumonia. Um, anyway, so CNN's going to play you a little clip of the president and then comment on it. And also said this today. Listen, guys. The men and women here today are on the front lines of protecting America's interest, defending America's value, and reclaiming our nation's priceless heritage. We have people in Congress, right now we have people in Congress 
that hate our country. And you know that. And we can name every one of them if they want. They hate our country. Sam, the idea of preserving heritage taps into historically darker times, certainly. Not only that, though, you say what we heard from the president in, that, in those remarks also could pose a national security concern. Well, Anna, his statement makes me sick. On a personal level, preserving our heritage, reclaiming our heritage, that sounds a lot like a certain leader that killed members of my family and about six million other uh, Jews in the 1940s. Wow. But on a national security level... Okay, so wow. this Sam Vinograd wow. is still hanging in uh, March of 2019 with the whole Trump's the new Hitler that's narrative. What, that's which what is, you took from that boy. You know, I listen to that and it sounds exactly like Hitler. Wow. Wow. So this chick is all over. She's all over CNN making this point again and again. This is like prime time. Uh, I'm not a fan of Hitler. Well, uh, it's hard to believe that CNN is ranked behind ESPN 5 in the ratings. <laughs> Anyway, the number 10 network in America. Well, somebody with unlimited time, evidently, uh, found this Joe Biden speech from 2011. It's time to stand up. It's time to fight back. It's time to reclaim our heritage. And it's time. And we are ready. We are looking for this fight. The future of our country depends on it. There's uh, Biden in his Hitler period. Unfreaking believable. God, I'll, I'll tell you what. I, I've definitely reached the age that any politician, it wouldn't matter if I loved them and like, and was going to vote for them for the, just the whole, it's time we take this back from the people that are keeping us from having it. I just that speech continuing to rile people up. Where's that rank with the whole most important election of our lifetime? Oh, my slime. God. Yeah. <laughs> it still it's, works, though. Yeah, yeah, particularly among uh, youngsters. Well, that's because uh, you haven't heard it 15 right. times. So the uh, the other little feature that I'd like to uh, share with you on the same theme of how crappy the news is, this is, uh, Tucker Carlson was talking about uh, BuzzFeed last night, and he actually had an, a really good, respectful, interesting exchange with the, uh, what's the, the editor-in-chief there, the head guy, um, but... Uh, he also took quite a number of shots at how into cats BuzzFeed is, which <laughs> it is. And uh, it, so that would explain the references. But he's talking about, uh, in this case, the uh, the claim on BuzzFeed that he's gone through the BuzzFeed claim that uh, Cohen met in Prague with Russians, which has now been completely disproved. Um, but the problem is BuzzFeed went wall to wall and it got tremendous coverage with that story. And they have never printed a retraction. And on a similar theme. Well, apparently a lot of people in media only read BuzzFeed and not simply for its lavish cat coverage. This January, BuzzFeed published a story with this sentence, quote, President Donald Trump directed his longtime attorney, Michael Cohen, to lie to Congress about negotiations to build a Trump Tower in Moscow, end quote. BuzzFeed prevented no, presented no evidence to show that that was actually true, just unnamed sources. But it didn't matter. The cat lovers on cable news went crazy. This would be uh, certainly a bombshell uh, information. BuzzFeed's latest bombshell report. The White House is slamming a bombshell report by BuzzFeed. The bombshell report from BuzzFeed. If the BuzzFeed bombshell is true. The bombshell report. And... The point being, they did not print a retraction when Cohen said explicitly, no, he didn't tell me to lie. He just kind of said his story and 
he looks at you, and, and so I went ahead and lied. Um, but they didn't print a retraction. And on a similar, similar theme. That's going to be looked at a lot. Um, uh, I watched the cable news channels or the, 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 the network shows on Sunday. Your face is the nation. Your meets the press. And, uh, and the conversation Tucker had last night with the BuzzFeed guy. So Cohen was asked the question, did, did Trump tell you to lie? He said no. Okay, that ends it for some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he said later that Trump repeatedly said there is no Russian collusion. We didn't do this. We didn't do that. And he says that's the way Trump tells you to lie. Mm-hmm. He uh, insinuates that you should lie, and we all know his language. Other people take that to be clear evidence of Trump telling him to lie. That's going to be worked out in, I don't know, in a court of law or in the impeachment hearings. I have no idea. Right. Yeah, I thought Tucker was a little dismissive about that argument. But again, it it was not about that as much as it was about um, going big on stories than not retracting them. Similar. How about all the headlines that we spent a lot of time debunking that tax refunds were smaller? Outrage grows. Tax refunds are smaller. I thought Trump was going to lower my taxes. We talked about how stupid that whole narrative is. You got to keep more of your money all year long, and the extra extra that you get back is smaller, but you paid less in taxes. You got to keep more of your money. Well, now it turns out, that's in a long explanation. I got less this year. Yeah, okay. All right, dumb, dumb. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, it's the is the common man dumb? Am I calling the common man dumb? The common yes. man, yes, I am. Is ignorant, not dumb. Thank you. Does Good. not understand how taxes work. Apparently, uh, uh, it would seem so. Because, because they're dumb. <laughs> because <laughs> thank you. Can I get an amen? Well, now it turns out that that dumb, dumb narrative wasn't even true. Now that a little more data is in, the IRS is reporting the tax refunds have increased by 1.3% from last year. Now, I had not heard that. Right. Oddly enough, certain newsrooms have responded to this development with total silence. Hey, this is interesting. So would it be that people who usually get large refunds file as early as you possibly can because they're going to get that check back. Yes. So it it heavily weighted uh, the the people that re, whose refunds shrunk toward the beginning of this. Right. That makes sense. Right. Because I, I wait to the last minute because I'm paying a giant chunk every year and I'm sending that the last second I can just right. as my own little finger to the government. Mm-hmm. So they mentioned in particular the Washington Post's coverage. One headline screened, millions of Americans could be stunned as their tax refunds shrink. Uh, another one, IRS says average tax refund is down nearly 9% so far this year. Big deal. Well, Kamala and, Harris said it on the trail. Right, exactly. Um, as of today, now that the uh, the more complete numbers are in, the Post has published nothing showing the average refund is now greater than it was at this point in 2018. 18. Then there's the New York Times, which reported February 12th. Smaller tax refunds surprise those expecting more relief. The clear but false implication is that uh, relief didn't happen. The tax laws didn't really cut taxes. Yeah, I get I get why you're doing this story, but we, we shouldn't. The conversation about whether taxes have gone up or down shouldn't be around the danged refund. It's driving me crazy. Well, right, but again, uh, here's what they out. reported at length. So they reported a bad narrative at length, and now it turns out that the narrative was based on something that wasn't even true. It was a preliminary number. 
And I would like that pointed out, although it also reinforces in the minds of stupid people that it's about the refund, I think. Yeah, I, well, I But what are you going to do? I, I, the truth is better. Are you doing this show for stupid people? I'm not, Jack. Oh. There you go. Again on the high horse. It's good exercise. <laughs> Getting up on your high horse. Right. <laughs> NPR, nakedly progressive radio. Anger, confusion over dwindling refunds. Is Trump's, Trump's uh, tax plan to blame? And, of course, again, with the false narrative, but then they have not, they have ignored the newest information. What was the amazing NPR? Not all, though. USA Today, Yahoo News, CBS, CNN have actually uh, printed the new facts. Good for them. let's see how long the original story lives. Forever. Throughout the campaign, yeah. Till quite for a the rest of your life. Um, uh, NPR had a story today. This was, this was a heck of a one, I thought. They were interviewing old people that are about to die or or loved ones of old people that just recently died. Oh, boy. And talking about how unhappy they were that they never got to see Trump get his justice. That was the whole story. People that are on their deathbed and their main concern is that they'll die before Trump is impeached. Wow. <laughs> you got to have a reason to get up in the morning. It's a very underrated aspect of life. <laughs> purpose. Wow, that's their purpose in life, to scream at cable TV yeah. until their last breath. I can see how if you get really invested in a story and you're old and you watch a lot of cable news that you'd like to see the, the ending of it, I suppose. Here's an NPR story I heard that I thought was hilarious. Well, quickly, at the end of my life, you're going to have to tell me who the president is because I'm not going to be paying attention. <laughs> Somebody said, my prediction for next year's Oscars, Lady Gaga squats on her piano, and out comes a little Bradley Cooper baby. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's uh, distasteful. I, I that was pretty edgy NPR humor. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> well, we all saw them looking at each other. We know what's going on there. Do we? Um, investments you could have made. It's another uh, topic I want to hit on the Armstrong and Getty show today. Investments you could, if you'd have made this investment back at the time, how much would you have now? And this actually serves a purpose on the Armstrong and Getty show.